Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Welcome to Podcast Sunday. I was serious. I really am going to get back on the every week. So here you are. It's not Monday. It's not Friday. But it is indeed Sunday. Just as good a day as any, really. And pretty free. So let's see. I do want to talk about some concrete subjects today. I want to talk about birth in Kentucky for those that are interested. I feel like people are for no other reason than you've been following my journey. And times are changing. There's so many people up and moving and it feels like there's lots of cool people moving here as well. So who knows, maybe Kentucky is in your future. But even if it isn't, I wanted to talk maybe more generally about the rules and regulations about politics, since that's one of my most favorite topics, as you all know, and just how that's looking and feeling, well, not really feeling because I'm not in it in that way, but maybe looking different here as opposed to Arizona. Uh, It's taken some time to just kind of like dig that up. And so I'll talk more about that. And then I hope to share some fun ideas as to what I'm hoping, planning, scheming for good times here in Kentucky, maybe in the new year, with some birth-related topics. So I definitely want to get to that concrete stuff. And the intro is a little more ethereal, wondering how all of you are feeling out there. This will probably get released in just a couple of days, so I don't think I'll be too far off the timeline. There is a full moon coming up midweek here, and I need to do some looking into what the themes are and all of that. Not totally up on that at the moment, but there is a full moon and it is in Aries. So we'll see. Good old fire sign there. Little Deva is in Aries. So my observation has been that for sure, you know, when the when the moons are in the signs of the people that also have those, even as sun signs, they can really be affected. So I don't know that anyone has an Aries moon in our house. I'll have to check the Davis Aries sun for sure. So we'll see. Full moons are, uh, I mean, stereotypically, right? Like a little bit crazy sometimes. And that could just be folklore. That could just be myth. I've noticed in my own house that it doesn't seem to be. I definitely don't sleep as well during a full moon and we're getting pretty close, but I'm not sleeping well anyway. And the kids definitely can be just, I don't know, what's the word? Um, Have a lot more going on, less calm, right? Like more volatile, maybe more emotional upsets, depending on all kinds of things, maybe how the particular moon affects them. But even if you don't know what moon or where, Kids and animals definitely, in my experience, seem to react. 
animals too. You know, I had one of my best friends who's a dog trainer tell me, he said, make note of when your dogs have fights. It's usually around full moon. And wouldn't you know it, he's right. Almost always. So fun times ahead this week. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I'm only half kidding. It is. It's good times always. And that's part of the magic I feel that is happening right now. So yes, full moon, but mid-October, you know, we're headed towards total darkness in a couple of months, almost exactly two months from now. And so energetically, I don't know what you're noticing, but it can definitely feel like you're kind of going into yourself, you know, becoming more internal in some ways, wrapping up energies. Um, I've been feeling lots of exciting energy, actually, which doesn't quite fit with that, but lots of brewing magic. So maybe that's where this visual of the witch's cauldron comes from around this time of year. There's something really, really brewing right now. And I don't know if it's feeling that way for you all. But I know I have a couple of close friends and, you know, with those people, I feel like we've been saying this for what, the last year, two, whatever, maybe more, it feels like something is coming, right? And on some days, you're kind of worried what it is or not. And then I think most of the time, it's more of a feeling of excitement. It's a feeling of like, I want to be here now at this time, even though times are crazy. I want to create the new thing. Because the option certainly exists right now to run away from it in the ways that we can. And that works for some people. You know, I just heard a story of of someone Jason knows today who just basically took off for another country, uh, sort of in fear of the what ifs, you know, the, uh, the doom and gloom, the apocalypse. So do it if that calls to you. But for me, I feel like I'm just here, standing strong, really creating things in my mind right now and in my heart that I hope to launch and put out into the community in the next bunch of months. And again, that just feels really exciting. It feels like it is a new era. It is a new dawn. It is a new time. While all this bullshit's going on around us, it's kind of like, are you going to get caught up in that? Because that'll just weigh you down, right? And that'll, that'll determine what you do or don't do. So that's the choice, as it has been, as it has been for the last bunch of years, really. And we all knew this was coming, didn't we? I think we did. I was thinking back on, gosh, how many years ago? I don't know, five, six, seven, maybe 10, 10 years ago of having a similar feeling and not knowing what it meant to feel like something's coming. And how could we? How could we have known that this was it? So I don't know if anyone else remembers or made plans. I remember friends we had in Sedona who were really kind and didn't have kids and still don't actually, but didn't at the time and really were like worried about us having all of these kids and made us this enormous stash of colloidal silver with a special silver making machine, right? Because that was the rumor 10 years ago was that something was going to come and threaten everybody's lives through whatever, virus or who knows what, disease. So that's just a funny little tidbit. But you know, uh, I remember that feeling. It's not the best feeling. And I was probably pregnant at the time. And yeah, it's just funny, I guess, to look back and think, wow, well, we knew, we knew something was happening. 
we knew it was brewing and it's here. It's actually here. And I think a lot of ways it's way better than maybe we could have anticipated. Right. Um, because thank God we're not all dropping dead. This isn't something that is just going to wipe us all out. We know that there is a virus, but it certainly isn't the cellular kind. Uh, it's the emotional kind. It's the fear virus. And by just realizing that, and again, kind of looking back in time and saying, okay, we're here, we're ready, we must be, because we asked for this, and we're doing good. We're doing just fine, and we're managing it. And guess what? In spite of it all, we're going to make a new world. So I'm feeling really optimistic today. And of course, you don't always hear my non-optimistic days. Those are my podcasting days. I have them too. But I'm just feeling really positive about the change that we're able to make, even in our individual lives. And the excitement that's really building towards, I don't know, if there really will be a moment or a meteor or something, or if it's going to be another case of in 10 years, we look back to now and reflect in the same way and just say, wow, like that was a thing. And we did survive it. And look at what we've created. Look at this world. Isn't that amazing? So that's pretty happy and fun. And I was kind of almost going in a different direction with that, which is this time of year is very magical and in between worlds. And so I feel like there's also that added element of actual magic. My definition of magic is creating what you want to see, what you want to feel in your imagination. And we have so much help right now in this time of year. So the veil is thin. I've said that many times, and I think many people know what that means, even by feeling uh, the the veil, the you know the the whisper, the screen, whatever you want to call between worlds is thin. And so it's such an interesting time. I know for me, gosh, this podcast is just full of memories today. Um, for me, like our, our one miscarriage, Sable, was during this season. So I always remember that kind of in my bones, that there's something dark. And you know, it's not always death related. It's not always loss related, but it is sometimes. And it was for me. So this declining energy gives me that feeling sometimes. And the being able to communicate with those on the other side, right? That's what Halloween, that's what uh, the Day of the Dead is about, honoring our ancestors and not just our ancestors, whoever on the other side, maybe they go so far back in our lineage that we don't even know their ancestors, or maybe they're just beings or energies, right, that surround us. And we feel them more now. We see them more now. I've been super interested in vision stuff. And by that, I mean eyesight. Um, I did post a really fun book on our social about eyesight. And I think it's called Put Down Your Glasses and See. It's a really great book. And so what does that mean? Well, if you read this book, you'll know. But it's really, really fabulous. Um, I've worn contacts for years, ever since I was in college. So for quite some time now. And I'm just cracking the surface of that and why that is and what I believe about sight and vision, vision being an entirely different word and category and discussion than eyesight. So eyesight being purely physical and vision being, whoa, like what is the vision? Um, how is our vision, you know, in all dimensions and with all 
manifestations and things we have that we like to create. So vision is a really powerful topic and it's something, again, I'm really exploring right now. So it's the perfect time of year for that. And I'm really excited to see what else comes in as I really expand and explore and dig into this idea of seeing clearly, not just seeing with my eyes, but seeing all of the things in the ways that we're meant to see them. So how's that for a very hodgepodgey introduction? I'm not even sure what that all means, but I never know what's going to be shared, you know, in the in the best way. This podcast at times and the intros at times are just kind of channeled in the way that they come out. There's not really a plan. It's just whatever needs to be said, whatever needs to maybe be shed or shared just comes out. And I have yet to, well, I'll take that back. I was going to say I have yet to delete a podcast that I recorded, but I did. I did delete one. It wasn't long ago. And yeah, I don't even remember what that was about, but that's the only time I've ever done that. Really what you hear is really what's coming out. No censoring, no censoring at all of myself. Hmm. What else? What else? Uh, yeah, intense birth experiences lately. I talked a little last time about that. And so I don't have any new ones to share, thankfully, but just people, you know, people around people that I know, friends of clients, um, random internet emails, we get other midwives still really intense time for births. And, you know, I don't think that's everyone. So I'm not trying to paint this dark, morbid picture of births just being impossible now, just because I've been involved in some complicated, intense ones. Um, I'm sure there are many babies out there that are just coming quick and easy. And that's so great. But as I thought more about it, the complicated part, um, I really just wanted to give kind of this spiritual nod to these souls that are coming in right now. Maybe you want to honor them too, whether you're pregnant or not, doesn't matter. Uh, Just honoring the souls that are choosing earth right now in all of its glory, because I think they are beyond what we've ever experienced. And I think they are beyond all of it. I think they're beyond everything I've talked about so far. You know, I think it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to them. And they're coming here with a mission, most of them. They're coming with a strong mission to be here and embody. And I don't know, I guess if I had to guess, they're here to really create the change. Whereas we're trying, you know, us little earthlings here, we're doing our best. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it just makes us feel good. But I feel like these uh, spirit babies, these star seeds, you know, these star babies, whatever you want to call them, truly magical, truly magical. And I have really felt that deeply. And it has added a whole new layer of respect to even my last podcast, you know, I was blabbing about hating and loving birth, and I was half kidding and half not. Uh, But even, you know, getting some distance from that, I was like, whoa, no, Um, these babies are very deliberate. And they're not trying to give anyone a hard time. They're just like, I have this visual of them like, like a rock, like just hurtling towards earth, you know, from space. And it's just going to like catapult into this galaxy. And like, it might hit someone, 
uh, might knock them out. And that's how these baby souls are feeling to me. Like they're going to be here. They're going to get here. And it's not always easy or pretty. And I don't know more than that. Um, but I have one myself, you know, Rumi soul. He's about to turn one. I'm sure I'll do a special podcast for his birthday because the lessons, the wisdom, all of it still coming, still coming, still coming. And yeah, I'll save it. I'll save that for his special birthday podcast. But I feel very aligned and aware of what a lot of these souls are doing in a sense. And I guess that's more from the perspective of the midwife. I don't know that I'll have any more babies. Although interestingly, I have been having visits from a spirit baby. (sighs) And that's been interesting and fun. And I'm not quite sure what that means. I feel like uh, as with all of my children, you know, they were they were here around me. They were invited here by us and welcome. And it's not that this one isn't. I'm just not really sure what the intention is on that end. I'm not really sure where I sit with that. I'm just kind of enjoying the communication right now. And so even that's been fun to realize, to live, that conversations with other spirits, other souls, you can call them spirit babies, whatever, uh, they can be had for sure. It doesn't necessarily mean I don't think that they will embody here on earth, but still, they're around, they're dancing. Uh, They might be a part of your soul family and just kind of live in their realm, right? Or maybe they'll come down. Maybe they'll be my grandchild or something one day. I have no idea. So these are all the half crazy, half sane thoughts jumping through my head today. And again, I feel like it's definitely the time of year being influenced in this way, being open to to all of it, to the wonder that is earth, earth life right now, and all that we have to be grateful for. So that's kind of a prayer in its essence, isn't it? Thanks for listening. Who knows? Who knows what's ever going to come out here? Seems kind of crazy to jump into some totally practical topic here, but hmm, that's what I promised. And I can get myself in the mood for it, even though it's like light years (laughs) beyond or behind one of those two, what I'm currently feeling, which again is this like effervescent kind of magical energy that I would love to bring to fruition more. But we do that by living it. So that's the hardest part sometimes, right? It's not just an idea. It's just our actual essence, our actual nature our nature of love and and our own truth that we live and that creates the magic. So let's blab for a minute about something really boring comparatively, which are the rules and regulations around midwifery here in Kentucky, just for fun, because I think people do wonder. And if you didn't know, the rules in each state are different. So I don't know where you live. Midwives may or may not have the option to be licensed. Uh, some states have what we call voluntary licensing. So Minnesota's one. That's how Margo operates there. Nevada, Oregon. I don't know. I'm blanking on the other ones. There's not that many, honestly, where it's voluntary. So most of the states here in the U.S., midwifery is a licensed activity. And I don't want to blab on and on about that because I feel like there's so many podcasts and there's good books. And if you need 
a great book, and I've mentioned this before, please read Making Midwives Legal by Raymond DeVries. That's a really great book, and I feel like if you read that and you kind of get it, there's not too much more that needs to be said. It's a really different perspective you'll have all of a sudden if you don't already. Because again, I think most people out there, and, and a lot of the times, you know, these are obviously the birthing women. Why would they know? Why would they know? They just want to have a baby. They just want to hire a midwife. Why would they know these things? On top of that, there's doulas too, um, who don't often know. A lot of them don't care. They might still decide, you know, for whatever reason, they don't like the sound of not being licensed. But there's a lot of myths around all of that. And again, not going to go into them, really, other than to say it has become the mainstream narrative, and you know, who's loving that these days, mainstream narrative to convince people that hiring someone that has a license of any kind in any profession is somehow superior, more knowledgeable, more worth it. And then, you know, the government gets money from the people wanting to get a license. So it's the perfect scheme if you're the government. And if you're kind of the ignorant public, then it all seems good, too, because you're like, oh, well, of course I want a licensed carpenter. I mean, the other guys wouldn't know how to build a house. Not true. You're going to pay that licensed carpenter probably more. And, you know, in that case, probably not a big deal, but that's because I don't know much about carpentry. Honestly, it might be a big deal. So that's the gist with licensing is the public basically gets the wool pulled over their eyes. Most of the time they're fine with that. And everybody else goes on happily thinking that a license is really awesome and is safe, safer. So there you go. And so coming to Kentucky, I didn't know what that actually looked like. I did know that the midwives, the, you know, the home birth midwives had recently achieved, and that's in quotes, and I'm laughing to myself because it's not an achievement, but whatever, had achieved licensing a couple of years ago. So too bad. Too bad is what I say, but oh, well, can't change the past. Well, maybe we can, but anyway, yeah. License. Must have one, allegedly, to be a midwife here. And before that, it was free will. You know, it was like a free market. Be a midwife or don't or, you know, whatever. And the government, the state here, wasn't trying to control people, wasn't trying to control their choices. So to me, that would have been a dream. But alas, that is not the current reality. And again, I think lots of myths and, and all kinds of confusion around that. I think, again, most people, birthing women, etc., are like, oh, cool. Now I can have a home birth, as if they couldn't have before. But, you know, they didn't know, maybe. Or, oh, that's great. You know, CPMs are, like, really educated. Now Kentucky will have, like, so many educated midwives and, like, will be up there with the rest of the really awesome states that like take midwifery seriously. And of course, I'm being totally sarcastic here, if you couldn't tell, but I think those are real thoughts that people have that seem very legitimate to them. And I've lived in other states where midwives really were fighting hard for licensing, Illinois being one for sure. So, you know, in a similar way, 
Um, if you're in a state like that, it's the opposite. It's like, oh, midwives are illegitimate. They have to be underground. And they're like these shady, dirty creatures. So if they're brought out into the light and they're given a piece of paper and they pay the government a thousand bucks a year, suddenly it's different. But it is, you know, it is different and it changes things. So the reality here is that that is a new event. And I was very curious to look at what the law actually says and how it allows or doesn't allow midwives to do certain things. And I hope this doesn't get too long. Honestly, it's kind of an exhausting topic for me. I'm going to do it, but it's kind of exhausting. I think I still have emotional investments, even though I've worked really hard on detaching and boundaries and energies and all that around this. Um, honestly, when I went kind of digging for the rules and regs here, I felt a little traumatized. I felt some PTSD coming up around even just looking at this paperwork kind of sends me back 10 plus years ago to Arizona and having to deal with all that. So it definitely doesn't sit well in my physical body, my emotional body, my energetic body. I actually start to feel anxious and just like, whoa, I'm in the wrong place. And that's eventually what I always come to. That truth for myself is like, oh, um, that's fine, really. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not I'm not that kind of midwife. I'm not trying to be. I'm not doing that but hiding. I'm actually offering something so entirely different. So that is my view. But still, I want to be educated enough to talk about it because I do have women coming that might have questions, you know, uh, about this. And we have our free workshop that I'm sure I'll teach many, many, many more times here. And that's a really great place to talk about how this all looks and works. So as much as I don't like it, as much as it's not my reality, I do feel like I want to understand it as best I can. Disclaimer, I don't know if I really uncovered everything there is to uncover. Most states have a really lengthy rules and regulation document. I'm talking 30, 40 pages. That was Arizona's. So Literally everything, everything that was considered prohibited care, everything that was considered must consult care. I couldn't find anything like that here. So if you're a Kentuckian or for whatever reason you're interested in the licensing of midwives in various states and you go on some Google Quest and you find something, send it over to me. I really didn't find much other than a couple pages that talked about the midwives, and they're all CPMs, of course, so the CPMs can pay and fingerprint themselves and I don't know what else to get a license here. So I could do it, but I'm not going to do it. Um, so they'll do that. And then they had a list of criteria, basically, that clients would fall under or not that would require consult. So consult, to my understanding, means a medical doctor must approve the situation. And, you know, I guess how I would sum up the law here to my understanding of it is that it's really, really sneaky. In Arizona, you either loved it or hated it because it was pretty black and white. Midwives cannot do twins. That's prohibited care, right? Um, 
And then, yeah, there were some things that were more negotiable, like technically breach in Arizona wasn't prohibited care. It was consult required. Yeah, well, tell me how many medwives got a consult from a doctor that said, yeah, go for it, right? It, it wouldn't happen. So there was sort of this understanding there, and I think that will be discovered here, but this understanding about political risk meaning that mm, doesn't have to be prohibited, but if it's outside of the norm, if it's outside of what any midwife kind of living in a box would do, then it's frowned upon. And if you do it, you better damn well hope that it goes perfectly because political risk. It doesn't have to be prohibited care for it to be a finger-wagging absolute no for most midwives. I don't know if that makes sense. So I guess what I'm saying is summing up the Kentucky law as I understand it is a lot of ambiguity that in time, because remember this is new, in time will actually result in probably a redo of the law with much more black and white stipulations around prohibited care. Right now, it seems, and again, unless I'm missing a document here, it seems like kind of anything goes. I mean, it's not the worst law in that sense. Not, not that I'm a lawyer. I'm definitely not. And I have not looked through all 50 states here. But uh, to my own experience thus far, it is very open-ended. So at first glance, again, I think that seems really awesome. And I've heard that kind of through the grapevine. It's like, oh, well, you know, they don't have to transfer care in 42 weeks or they don't have to um, whatever, you know, transfer a mom who has twins. Like nothing seems like a hard and fast no. But over time, over time, guaranteeing you, it will become that way. And the midwives will ask for it. They'll put themselves in those handcuffs because really too much freedom is not good for them either. They're only going to get the flashlight or the floodlight really shined on them every time they go outside of what's considered normal, really obstetrical medicine. So again, V-backs, twins, breach, all of the things that, huh, well, maybe they could. Eventually it's going to be a big fat no. And it might be a big fat no already for the people in practice. I really don't know. I really, really don't know. It could be that they're not willing to go outside of that just because they know it'll be frowned upon. And also relationships with hospitals are usually pretty important to these types of midwives. And it was that way in Arizona too. So back to the ambiguity, there was a little bit in Arizona, VBACs were allowed and that happened after I had my whole battle with them because, of course, they weren't before. But even though they technically were allowed on paper, there were so many stipulations to be allowed to have a VBAC at home with a licensed midwife that it was laughable that so many women were, again, prohibited care. So fine print, people, fine print. And again, I think if there isn't fine print here now in this state with this law, there will be. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before the medical board, the nursing board comes cracking down on the ambiguity that they've written in because that's just not going to fly. So I guess we'll see. 
And women at the moment might find themselves asking a lot of questions, I hope, because if it is up to the midwives, at least on paper, then I think still women should be asking really great questions. So by the letter of the law, like I said, if I'm reading it correctly, midwives can kind of do whatever in a sense, but remember, they're probably not going to go too far outside of what's considered normal. They're not going to probably keep attending that woman past 42 weeks or with a breech baby, probably, because it suddenly becomes something they have to decide rather than having it decide decided for them. And I don't think that's ultimately a good thing for women, because I think the midwives that are choosing to be licensed are largely the scared bunch. And if they're already scared, these are not the midwives that are going to toe the line for one client. They're not. They have a whole client load, right? Whatever number of births a month, they're not going to go out on a limb for that 42 plus one or that breech baby. They're not. So I think women could easily be seriously misled here. And again, it's only in time. Only time will tell. Only experiences will tell as the stories come out, as people attempt to have births outside of this very, very narrow box of options. Then we'll know. Then we'll know what birth here is actually like. For the moment, women can sign an informed, and they call it informed consent. I really despise that phrase. I would never use it purposely because it's not informed consent how I see it. It's informed choice. You get to make a choice or not. Informed consent implies, hell yeah, you're going to consent. Or if you're not, we're going to make you feel really bad because you should. And if you don't, you're just dumb. And that's exactly how the informed consent form looks here. And I did actually read that. I actually have it up on the screen. And it's sort of alarming So basically, if a woman, so a woman who's hired a licensed midwife has something going on, and this is like the silliest form because they're all lumped together on like a two-page form as if each of these things don't have, you know, 300 pages each to say about it. So lumped together, uh, baby isn't head down and they have like what they think the risk is there. And it's laughable because it's like um, grade school quality. So baby not head down, and and the example of the complication would be only part of the baby may pass through the birth canal, leaving the baby's head trapped. Uh, Probably not, you know, probably not in a full-term baby, but of course there's no defining criteria. There's no nuance. This is just like all the bad things that could happen on a list, only on one page, And then we'd like your signature, please, because we'd like you to sign that you're crazy and your baby will probably die. And of course, I'm being extremely sarcastic, but that is pretty much what it says. So VBAC, breech birth or other malpresentation, pregnancy with more than one baby. The baby's shoulder became stuck during a prior birth, shoulder dystocia, being pregnant past 42 weeks and zero days. So all of this is on like a little chart. Each of those things have about a sentence written. And basically it says your midwife has determined that you are not low risk and you would be better in the hospital. So whatever condition below is checked, that's you. And again, we would like you to sign that you understand that the hospital is the safest place for you. You could develop a very serious complication 
and your baby could die or you could die at home. And we would like you to sign that you understand that and you still want to do it. So really, it's a very, it's a very just base kind of gross form. And it's so insulting. I mean, talking about infantilizing women, it's sort of horrifying. I just sort of couldn't believe it. I, I don't know if I was a woman, a woman with a licensed midwife here. I don't know if I could sign it. I mean, that's not to say I would do what they wanted me to do, but I don't know that I could put my signature to this saying that I acknowledge that I am supposed to, I should have a hospital birth because of course that's not true. Like the risk of, uh, you know, a cesarean for a breech baby is not nothing. So obviously with each of those situations, we could do a whole podcast about why that's probably not safer in the hospital. So crazy, right? Because it doesn't matter. Licensed midwifery is under medicalized everything. And that's the perspective. So you don't get to argue that. You don't get to argue, but I was having a home birth. And I've had four home births. And, you know, I'm not worried about my breech baby's head getting stuck. Uh, I don't think I'm safer in the hospital. It doesn't matter. It doesn't apply to you. This is a routine form. You are no longer low risk. They have determined that. And that's not really debatable. So I think that's sneaky. And I've never seen anything like that. And again, I guess people could disagree and rally that informed refusal forms. Oh, sorry. It's not informed consent. I take that back. It's an informed refusal. Okay, whatever. I still think informed choice is better. Um, But yeah, informed refusal because you are refusing and you are supposedly informed, but they're not. They're not informed but you should be. Yeah, I wouldn't want that on record either. I think that's uh, a recipe for disaster for the midwives and for the women. And eventually that's going to blow up into something pretty big where I think, yeah, the regulations will become so strict that it'll be like Arizona. And then I don't know, maybe people will be happier like that. Maybe the midwives will like that. I don't know. So yeah, that made me super tired. I hate talking about this stuff to a certain extent. It's not really very life affirming, is it? It's not. So maybe it riles you up. Maybe you're like, oh gosh, we really have to turn this ship around. I'm going to become a radical midwife. I'm going to become a traditional midwife. Yes, go for it. I hope it made you feel that way. Because really, this is so silly. And if women don't know they have a choice, then they don't have a choice. So if someone doesn't want to be outside of the system, then this is what they get. And they have to be okay with it. Hmm. That's a lot of blabbing. Thanks for listening. Uh, Just briefly, I think on the positive side of things, there is so much good work to be done here outside of all that. I'm not going to touch that. I don't really care. Get a license if you want one. Hire a licensed midwife if you want one. Whatever. Totally fine. We are manifesting our birth center here, our birth retreat center, just as quickly as we can. I think this vision idea that I'm working on just in my own life, in my own energy will definitely help because the vision, as I've shared it, is to have a place where people come to birth because they align with what we offer. 
It also will be a place that our Indie Birth Midwifery School students, excuse me, can come and get experience. So imagine this beautiful, glorious place here in Appalachia, green as heck, so much water, privacy, just absolute beauty and the trees and the flowers. And wherever the center ends up being, it's close to the earth. We can grow our own food, possibly be sustainable at some point in the future and have places all over the property where women can come from all over the world and birth with Indie Birth midwives and other practitioners. They will be treated beautifully and cared for into their postpartum time within reason. I'm not sure what that stay will look like at the moment, but certainly no booting people out at 24 hours postpartum. Probably a couple of days, I'm imagining, uh, at the very least, to be loved on, to be cared for, to be supported, the entire family, to receive body work and nourishment and all of the great things that we know really help a mom and baby get started on their bonding and their sacred relationship. We're hoping for other amazing practitioners to be with us at the center. Again, maybe bodywork people, um, Chinese medicine practitioners, I don't know, all kinds of people that are supportive to women during this time. And then other specialists, perhaps, breach, twins, um, you know, that kind of thing where women might choose to come here because they truly can't find anybody near them with whatever they've got going on. So that may definitely be, and I think really will be a part of it, but we are still in manifesting mode, meaning that we don't have a place yet. We don't have a location, but there are ideas coming in. And I think those will continue to come in and multiply and maybe soon. I don't know how soon soon is. Could be months and could be years. Soon, 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 soon. This will start to take shape and we will be living that vision. We will be living it. And I do have total faith, of course, in this. My whole journey here to Kentucky was an act of magic. It just kind of came out of nowhere and the road was paved. It was paved so beautifully for us to get here and flourish. And I know the same will be happening for this retreat center. It's happening. It's somewhere, somewhere in time. It has already happened. And so holding space for that is where I want to put my energy, not on all the silly rules that govern other things. Although, again, it can be helpful. It can be helpful to understand birth culture and to remind yourself just what most people, what most women, what most midwives are dealing with. It really, really is um, humbling. So on that note, uh, hold that vision for me. I have lots of other fun ideas coming out here just with the women I'm working with and the other people I'm coming in contact with that really want to work with women. I think there's all kinds of amazing opportunity here to teach, to grow, to spread wisdom, to gain wisdom, all of it, to work on concrete topics like nutrition with the population here. Uh, really fun ideas kind of brewing in my head around how I might do that and how I might get help doing that, really teaching women how to feed themselves, how to nourish themselves, 
it is so important. It is just so important as a mother. It is so important as a human. And the birth process is seriously affected by it. And I know that. I just think I had maybe overestimated, in a sense, that different places in the country, different populations, different cultures um, are going to be different and not all the same. And as a midwife, it's really learning to adapt yourself to where you're at. So I was very blessed being where I was for 15 years. There were certainly negatives in a sense and many positives. And it's the same here. It's uh, not a perfect place anywhere, anywhere at all in the world. I don't think to be a midwife, there's always going to be great things and things you don't like about working with the people that are there. And it's not personal. It's just the way it goes. It's just cultural, really. So I am learning. I am learning, learning, learning. So grateful for the lessons that have come in. I know there are many more, um, you know, forcing me to rethink how I do certain things, how I support women in certain ways, down to more concrete skills that I really would like to gain to perhaps be more used here. But all in time, we'll see how it unfolds. And for now, just super grateful to be on this journey and to share it with you. I hope you have a great week and I'll be back soon.